0: This week on The Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast, we have an AP Q&A about Abraham Lincoln. Now, now, now. Not, 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 four, not to just speak.
1: The Rail Splitter,
0: axe in hand,
1: looking out at a frontier of hope and possibility.
2: Action.
0: Welcome to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast. My name is Jeremy, with me is Rail Splitter Nick. Hello. And Rail Splitter Mary. Hey, everybody. We have a very special show today. Um, Nick and I work at a local high school, and we have some questions submitted to us by some of the advanced placement students there. But before we get to that, we wanted to chat a little bit about some current events in Lincolniana. Um, So the first one was a story that I wanted to talk to you both about that I just kind of stumbled upon through Twitter this afternoon. The Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum got an interesting donation this week, the Charles Manson Letters. Which I thought was very interesting because they're now in the same collection as the Gettysburg Address, the Edward Everett copy of the Gettysburg Address, is in the same collection now as the personal letters that Charlie Manson wrote. What do you guys think of that?
2: uh i when when i first saw the story uh my first thought was like first surprise and then my next one was is this fake news <laughs> this like like really <laughs> really
1: uh i guess high school kids are gonna listen so i probably couldn't
0: say my initial thoughts <laughs> like what's the background story on do we know any I don't I I kind of read the article and there's no really rhyme or reason to it. it just, there's
2: there's not. It's very vague, I found.
0: Yeah, it was like he the person bought it because he was dating someone who was obsessed with serial killers and wanted to impress her. And then when <laughs> Charles Manson died a couple weeks ago or last week I don't even know when, he's like, "You know, these really ought to go to a museum now that he's gone." Which is just the whole thing is just so creepy. <laughs> it's so creepy. Yeah. So
1: First of all, like that is now the weirdest thing I've ever heard about somebody buying something to impress a girl. Um, I thought it was when my brother bought a banjo for a, a girl, and then he lost a banjo, but uh, <laughs> in that breakup, there's a banjo in our theme song. Um, so, like, does Doctor Cornelius, and can they like hand it off to somebody else? Or I guess he's it? responsible
0: like, for it now, right? I mean, there.
1: I don't know what the etiquette is amongst like museums and presidential libraries and all that stuff
2: here in canada they have to um like you have to have like usually they form a committee and then um you would put it out to the public to say hey does anybody want this or you would offer it back to the original donor and say this just does not meet the mandate of our collection at all
0: yeah i was and maybe some other museums said no and i don't know but it's so they're going to put that on like a special exhibit. Hey, the manson letters. Uh,
1: oh God, I got uh, it
2: It's, not. it's, it's still almost uncomfortable that it's in the same place as the Gettysburg Address.
0: Yeah, I mean they do have some I mean it's not a lincoln specific collection like they've got yeah. residential artifacts, many, many 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 Illinois artifacts. This has nothing this is so how do I feel? I don't know. I wonder where this ranks are the weirdest
1: things that they've
0: got. (laughs) Yeah. This is weird. It is. It is very weird. So, um, but, you know, I don't think Charlie Manson needs any more attention than just, like, why is that in the collection? And maybe, you know, and maybe there's other things in there that we just don't know about that are just really, really out there. Um, One other uh, really quick thing of uh, Lincoln-related items that I came across this, uh, actually this morning um, we're recording on Wednesday, so I can, since this is going out on Thursday, we can say this, but, um, I'm in, and I shared this with the, with the Rail Splitter crew earlier, but I'm in a online trivia league called Learned League, which is, um, super nerdy, but also super fun. I was going to say. And, <laughs> and by the way, if any of our listeners are Learned League players, uh, they call them, we call ourselves, I'm, I'm still a rookie, so I don't even know if I can claim it yet, but, uh, people in Learned League are called llamas for the LL. Anyway, if there's any alarms <laughs> out there, let me know what Rundle you're in. The leagues are called Rundles. Anyway, Dude, question this, five. There's I, six this questions. the whole a day. podcast itself. It's there, the lowdown on it. It's this. pretty. It's pretty strange. There are six questions every day, and you play against one other person. Uh, it's really fun. I recommend it. Um, you can only get in the league by a referral, so um, I had to reach out to someone who I played quiz bowl with in middle school. Didn't talk to since, and was Facebook friends with. And she was kind enough to refer me, so it was pretty awesome.
1: So you can refer me and Mary.
0: I sure can, once I become a full-fledged member.
1: yeah. Oh, you're so. still
0: a llama, stat, nice. Or is llama a not a... Llama's everybody in there, but I'm a rookie. Once you're no longer a rookie, you pay like a yearly fee, but then you can refer people. So the question, they're very difficult questions. Like um, I usually get, on a good day, I'll get three out of the six correct. Uh, I got four today, but uh, here's a question. Q5 today. What comedic play, though of no particular enduring artistic merit, is by far the most famous work of playwright Tom Taylor due to a significant suspended performance seven years after its debut. So there's a lot of clues in that question. Uh, No no particular enduring artistic merit, so it wasn't a great play. Uh, It was the most famous work from Tom Taylor, who uh, I thought might have been my buddy Justin Taylor from high school's dad. It's not.
1: I was thinking Tim Taylor.
0: Tim, Tim, the Jewel Tim Jewel man the Taylor. The two man,
1: uh, yeah. man Taylor. Yeah, it's a comedic
0: play, but the, the biggest clue in this question is that it's uh, a singular suspended performance seven years after its debut. Uh, obviously, I think many of you probably can guess because we are the, the rail splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast, and I've only brought up one learned league question on the show. Uh, so it is Abraham Lincoln related. Uh, Mary got it right away. She's um, like, oh, great. It's a, it's our American cousin. I'm sure you got it right. And I said, I did not get it right. <laughs> I couldn't come up with it. I kept trying to... Th- and I put out the worst guess. What was it? Okay, the guess I put out is a very common trivia question. It comes up a lot. Unfortunately, at, when I said a singular suspended performance, I got stuck on that clue. You said and, Hamilton. No. And I remembered... A Super Bowl was once, a Super Bowl broadcast was once famously interrupted by a TV movie called Heidi, which comes up in trivia a lot. So I guessed Heidi, because I'm like, oh yeah, that was a very famous interrupted performance, not even realizing that if that were a play, it would have been the thing interrupting the performance, not the performance being interrupted. Just a terrible guess on every account, especially because... I created and co-host a Abraham Lincoln podcast. <laughs> I, I love Abraham Lincoln. Uh, you get a little flag, like everybody has a unique flag in this game. My flag is a portrait of Abraham Lincoln, and I missed it. <laughs> it's embarrassing.: <laughs> Very embarrassing yeah. Hey,
1: I feel your pain. yeah, uh, that you know Mary's next week. I shared how I didn't know anything in the trivia round about Lincoln last episode. Mm-hmm. This is you, Mary, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. Because Nick missed some Gettysburg Address questions, but it's unfair. Mar- Mary can always go. I'm Canadian. I don't need to know. <laughs> but she does. <knows>. <laughs> she she did better. She got the question I missed, and she got the questions you missed in our charity <laughs> trivia. So it's uh, it's not not good. But you know, we'll see. I don't know if I won the game or not. I'll know. I won't know until about they email out the results after midnight. So. That's when I'll find out if I won my Learned League match. You're on, like, a time limit on those things? No, it's that's why you have to have somebody refer you because you have to, like, basically, you're on the honor system for not cheating. So, I'll so like, know. as soon as they saw my guess of Heidi, they're like, this dude does not cheat <laughs> because <laughs> no one is cheating and coming up with that terrible answer.
1: I'm probably going to cheat when you get me on.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not going to refer you. You're going to cheat. <laughs> um, I mean, I the won't. questions are very, very difficult, so if you, you can tell people cheat because they would... You'd be really good to get six, six You can always tell when
1: people cheat. Remember that if the students are listening.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No yeah. Cheaters never win.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. That's well, true. unless you're like the Boston Red Sox when they won that year because of all the steroids they were using. But you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like the you know, a couple of the football teams that have gotten their banners. Okay, cheaters have won historically, but <laughs> yeah. they're discouraged.
0: So um, so to get to the the meat and potatoes of today's show, Nick and I work at a high school. Uh, so for the rest of the show, we may need to change our names to Rail Splitter Mister Stangy and Rail Splitter Mister Boyce. But um, I know that's really awkward for Rail Splitter Nation. So we're just going to go ahead and keep our first names and tell the students I'm a hip teacher. Yeah. They just call me Nick. That is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can call me whatever you want after you graduate. But people uh, who even know me. Yeah. Don't
1: even call me. My, yeah. By my first
0: name, yeah. yeah so. They don't, they shouldn't call you Mr. Stangy more often. They just call you Stangy. Yeah, I'm literally just Stangy. It doesn't help much that I come in into <laughs> Nick's classroom and I say, Hey, hey, kids, where's the beard? <laughs> that's awesome. I refer to Nick as the beard to students at school. <laughs> it's not the most professional thing, but that's all right. No, I'll keep that in mind. So so here's the story. So uh our AP US history teacher um reached out to Nick and I and said that um she was approaching the part of the course where they were talking about Abraham Lincoln and she wanted to know if we would be willing to help. And of course, um I taught US history for 7 years and I missed the classroom desperately. So of course, I'm like everybody out of my way. I'm like I'm coming running. I you know, I can't wait. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to teach this stuff and That's not really what she meant. Um, She wanted some kids to submit some questions, and then Nick had the idea of turning it into a podcast episode, which I thought was an excellent, excellent idea. Um, So these are questions from our advanced placement history students who are a very hardworking group of uh, juniors um, at Harlem High School, where Nick and I work in McChesney Park, Illinois. Um, And Nick read through the questions and picked some out. We'll get to as many as we can. And Mary and I don't know what the questions are, so... Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to put some sort of cogent answer together to help help out these kids in their in their learning. Well, I've gone through them and I kind of divided them up
1: into different categories. You guys want to hear the categories?
0: Yes. Well, I'm going to tell
1: you, anyways. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of questions dealt with Lincoln and slavery. We had a lot, several questions that dealt kind of Lincoln and current events uh one what if question uh two lincoln assassinations we have a couple of what i labeled fun questions so that are kind of just random questions that will you know kind of a funner thing some have real answers
0: some don't i feel like these kids just did us a huge favor by giving us a bunch of topics for entire episodes. because 'cause I'm more I a like, they bit like, yeah. a wow, that's a really fascinating question. We yeah. could talk about it for an hour. Let's yeah. do that and call it episode 26. Yep. Yeah.
1: And we have one on Mary a as well. to so, just want me want a You guys want a choose a category? How, how are we going to break this down? <laughs>
0: this is feeling very game showy. I do not know. What do you yeah. think, Mary?
2: I think just go in the order that. Um, well, maybe do Lincoln and slavery, and then assassination current events what if mary todd and then fun
1: all right i I don't know if you guys we're gonna dive right in huh let's do it all right um a lot of the kids a lot of them had you know kind of dealing with you know lincoln some of his statements on slavery race um a topic that we've covered off and on throughout um and a lot of them um you know I think I have some good questions with that. So I guess the first one I will start with is, was Lincoln's opinion on the social inequality of African Americans completely self-opinionated, or was it politically motivated to appeal to both sides? Do you believe that he succumbed to political pressure? And I kind of combine this from Matt, uh, Ariana, Trinity, Alyssa and what was it, Fatty, or? No, Fadi. Fadi, sorry. Um, I apologize, Fadi, for that. So I kind of combined all their questions together into this. So I don't know who wants to start.
2: I can start. Go for it. <laughs> um, well, I've actually just been reading in uh, Ronald C. White Jr.'s biography called A. Lincoln, which um, I'm about... I'm almost all the way through it and I would highly recommend it as a biography for people to read if they are just starting to learn about Abraham Lincoln. Um, I would say that it's a mixture of political pressure and his own opinion that he could not, he couldn't say how he really felt because that might've been too much for the people. And he was at the time he, he's got to appeal to the abolitionists, but then he's got to appeal to the people that, you know, are not ready for the slaves to be emancipated. Um, And so he's got his own opinions, but there's having your own opinions. But when you're a politician, there's also you have your political opinions. So I think it was um, from what I read today um, and just actually I was thinking about it this morning as I read it, that definitely there was a lot of political pressure on him. And he had to be very careful, um, especially at the time that I'm reading this. It was 1862. So it's even before he's issued the Emancipation Proclamation, which was not issued until after the Battle of Antietam. Um, he's, and he's got different groups coming to the White House. He's got, you know, some African-Americans coming to the White House to tell them about this plan that he has um, for, you know, sending them away from America um, for colonizing. And he's writing to different, like, you know, a couple of newspaper editors asking them his, their opinion as well and giving his own opinion. So um, he's trying to find out how people are feeling about it before he can really say so yeah, politic mix of political pressure, I think, a lot of political pressure, I think, at that time.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. Um that it was a mixture. Um I, I I believe that uh Lincoln very strongly held on to beliefs about equality and about abolition. Um, but he was also a political genius and he behaved and acted in ways uh, in which the ultimate end game was the abolition of slavery, and he was smart enough to get there in a way um, as quickly as he possibly could. Had he gone any faster, he would have lost political points, I believe. Had yeah. he gone any slower, he would not have achieved his goal, or w- at least would not have achieved it uh, when he did. Um, I also want to just mention doing something. Because of political pressure or doing something to score political points in a way is not inherently bad, right? I think sometimes we get this idea, and I think a lot of um, high school learners are kind of like, yeah, he just did that to get votes, or he just, or he or she just did that um, because it was politically expedient at the time. That's one of the something that may be the case, but I don't think that's necessarily bad, um, unless the action is bad, right? So, like, if, if we're talking about abolition of slavery, if we're saying, like, well, the only reason that Lincoln really pursued it was because it was politi- politically expedient for him, well, okay, <laughs> you know, it, it was a noble endeavor, right? Um, I don't think that he was one who took on controversial abolitionist ideas because it would get him to the White House by any means. Um, I think his position as a moderate in the Republican Party in 1860... Did get him the Republican nomination, did get him to the White House, and they kind of, you know, he kind of pulled the veil back slowly to say, like, he was actually not a moderate at all. He just knew that that's what it was going to take to get things done. And in that regard, I compare him a lot to Barack Obama, uh, specifically with like, with many things, but specifically with the same sex marriage issue. Not that I would put abolition on the same plane as same sex marriage, but when he said he evolved on the issue and when he was noncommittal about it in 2008, I don't believe for a second that he was not in favor of marriage equality. I do believe that he knew that his political goals, meaning not getting elected, but meaning achieving marriage equality would not have been accomplished if he just came out and said it, whether that's good or bad is up to you as a learner, you as a discerning voter and citizen. Um, it may be not quite honest, but um, I think that there's a lot of Lincoln in that, um, in that kind of thing, too, with, with abolition. So, great question. Uh,
1: the question reminded me back to our conversation we had with uh, Dr. Um, Kende. Is that right? Did I yeah, say that right?
0: Uh Dr. Ibram Kende, who yeah. wrote um, Stamped from the Beginning.
1: And then our conversation with him, he kind of mentioned Lincoln's view when it came to race and slavery. Um, was... Probably more so with race was ever evolving. It was mm-hmm. an evolution yeah. that you saw. So you know, in his young political career, I don't even think he's thinking. You know, you, you kind of used the phrase "the end game." I don't think he had uh, you know um, abolishing slavery as the end game at that point. I think it's something that evolved over time. Yeah, and um, I'm reading a biography on Lincoln too right now, um, the third one and the the one that you guys aren't reading the. God, you got the white one, you got the one you're reading, yeah. and then what was the other one that came up in the Twitter sphere? It,
0: uh, David Donald?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, that one's good. Yes, it is. And then um, I totally forgot where I was going with all that. It took me so long. Yeah, to think yeah. That? I
0: don't think he, yeah, he. when he embarked on his political career as a state legislator mm-hmm. in Illinois, like, he's like, I am on a path to the White House to abolish slavery. I agree. Yeah, he wasn't on that plan, and he did evolve over time. I agree.
1: Yeah, and he yeah. talks about in the what the author made the case was you know um you know that famous where he's in new orleans and he sees kind of um the slaves and then he goes back and relooks on that moment and kind of his thoughts and views changes mm-hmm. over time so with that stuff and, and and i think that's kind of what happened with him so i think it's something that he evolved to um he started to realize that you know what this is how i should think which you know, which yeah. is a very human thing, I think. So um yeah. So there we go. All right. I agree. I agree. All right. uh, this young lady was actually I was in uh Miss Noonam's room as she was there after school and and I think this is something a lot of young uh learners when they start learning about Lincoln and looking at the documents kind of have this train of thought. Um and her question was Along the lines of, why is Lincoln portrayed as someone who believed racism was so morally wrong when he didn't necessarily believe in racial equality? And that came from uh, Keandre. Um, I was supposed to say it fast. That's what Miss Dunham said. So <laughs> I apologize if I butchered it. Um, and she mentioned like a Facebook post that she saw. You know, you got a lot of these Facebook posts that are out there. Um so, yeah, who wants to st- take a stab at this first?
0: Uh, I'll jump in first on this one. Uh, that's a great question, and it's, I think it's as much about history as it is about Abraham Lincoln. Like, how do we view um, historic figures being students in 2017 looking at their lives in 18th, the 1860s? Um, and I do think our episode with Dr. Kendi talks specifically about this. Um, but to what extent do we forgive people for having old ideas, right? Um, Like Abraham Lincoln was very much a progressive racial thinker for a white person in the 1860s. His thoughts today would be offensive, shameful, you know, abhorrent, but we're not judging him in 2017, we're judging him in 1860, right? Does that mean we give him a free pass? Of course not. Did he say things that were hateful and wrong and dehumanizing to a group of people? He did. Um, and we need to, especially as Lincoln fans, not get too wrapped up in hero worship, right, and to to really look at who the man is. Um, and one thing that I think about is um, I don't think that, you know, I obviously idolize many figures, Martin Luther King and... Malcolm X and um, many others, but I don't feel that they're mine to emulate because I'm a white man and my experience is different. So I, I look to other white men as role models for myself, not because I think white men need that, because obviously we, we're doing just fine, but um, that's who I am, right? So like that is what I can aspire to be, right? If I'm going to be a feminist, I need to find other ma- male feminists because I can't appropriate women that way to say like i'm a feminist just like you know insert you know strong powerful women who are feminists because that's just not i can't do that so when looking at lincoln with race why do i aspire to be like him well because he had a way to communicate things right. and and have his beliefs that were very progressive at the time and they became more mainstream and they actually became so powerful that they changed the u.s constitution through a, through an amendment um do I think that what he said about race is how I believe or how I hope other white people believe? Of course not. And his understanding of the black experience and slavery was not nearly the same as what black leaders and black people were. Um, So why do we look at him as a saint? I think sometimes we do that more than we should. Myself, a lot, right? Um, I think that he is probably... um, Lifted up so much to the point of being like a caricature many times, maybe more than he should be, but insert any historic figure, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, you know, we talk about them as fathers of our country and forefathers, and they claim to own other human beings, right? So um, we need to take people for who they are and take the whole, whole figure, and I think that you're right. Many times we overlook a lot of, racist ideas that Abraham Lincoln had and give him a free pass for it. But I do think we need to acknowledge that he, his work and his soul was so much more progressive and open and loving than certainly than the norm. And maybe as much as anyone else, um, who was a white male, um, aside from maybe like, you know, Garrison, you know, William Lloyd Garrison or, you know, John Brown, several others, but, um, yeah i I do think that that's a great point
2: yeah i completely agree with you jeremy on that like just his ability to communicate and have his beliefs become mainstream um just he was very very progressive and um i also agree like sometimes we may hold him too much to be a saint Um, And then you read like what I was reading this morning about his ideas about colonization and that brought it back. Okay, he was a human and he was very much a product of his times, but he was still um, very, very progressive in his thinking. And to see how he evolved as a president, you know, one of his his very last speech spoke of, you know, giving African-Americans like the right to vote and to see how he evolved over that time. Um, He was just, he was so ahead of his time.
0: Well, And I think, Mary, I think you make a very good point. And one thing that I I do think we need to point out is that last speech is what made John Wilkes Booth decide to murder him. So Mm -hmm. you can say accurately that Abraham Lincoln died for that cause. So did he say racist things? Did he use the N-word? Did he you know, have these ideas about colonization and, um, you know, did he make racist jokes? Yes, all of those things are true. Did he give his life to the cause of freedom? Yes, he did. So, you know, that to me, the last full measure of devotion um, is as much as anybody can give. So I'm not forgiving him for those things, but I also I think we do need to acknowledge that the man gave his life for the cause of freedom. Um, And I don't think that's really deniable. Um, When he made that comment about the right to vote, John Wilkes Booth turned around and said, that means N-word citizenship, I'll run him through, which means I will run him through was a a saying, meaning uh, in battle run your bayonet Mm. through him, kill him. So he, he he decided to kill him because of something he was going to do for the cause of freedom. So I do think that that's an important piece of it too.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just coming down to that evolution piece is what we're talking, you know. He evolved over time, and to me that is a strong characteristic. I know a mm-hmm. lot of people maybe in our society see that as a weakness. Uh maybe as a teenager sometimes we think, Oh, you changed your mind, you know, that's weak. Uh but that's not necessarily the case. You know, like Malcolm X, I mean, also changed his mind and views. That's one of the things that, you know, once I started learning who he was, drew me to him. The fact that he had the courage to do that. Lincoln had the courage to do that. And, like you said, and really, he really took and helped push. Like I always talk about in my classroom, equality is it a step forward, step back? And Lincoln definitely allowed for things to take a step forward towards equality. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's stuff there, all right? Um, And he's not perfect. And I think we try to do that on the show. And we've talked about many of the flaws. You know, stuff that people who would be, you know, hero worshiping him for. I mean, they wouldn't talk about, you know, his depression, you know, some of that stuff. And, or like we we're doing right now or the conversation that we had in one of our first episodes. Um, so, yeah, I agree with 100% with what you guys are all saying. And, and, you know, the idea of reading in context when you do research, it's tough for high schoolers, too, to understand. At the same time, it's a fine line means we go oh, in context you know look at bill clinton you know he wasn't really getting i mean he had some pushback but a lot of that got ignored if that bill clinton stuff came out today you know it'd be a different story mm-hmm. so you mm-hmm. got to be careful yeah. of that fine line of being always oh, just a product of his time and kind of look at what was he saying what was the time and what's a fair judgment to make with both of those things yeah which is a lot for a high schooler Or even adult, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think we all struggle with that from time to time, too.
0: Yeah, right. Well, I mean, find me a person who doesn't have flaws, (laughs) you know, I mean, anybody, you know, what we what we what is beautiful about it is we don't we're not defined by our flaws. Like Martin Luther King had some flaws. He made some, you know, he was not a good husband, right? Um, By extension, arguably not a great father, right? Does that mean does that lessen his work? I would say, of course it doesn't, you know, not at all. But I do think a lot of times high school learners are like, oh, my gosh, he, you know, you know, he wasn't faithful to his wife or he, you know, said this or did this or wasn't. That does not take away anything or lessen any of the work that he did. It just means that he's flawed, like every literally every single Mm -hmm. human being in the history of the world. Right.
1: We're all
2: exactly. Yeah.
1: No, I I agree with you. One hundred percent. Yeah, I think this is, yeah, completely agree. This is kind of a nice transition the next question. Um this is kind of the um what motivated Lincoln to meet the slavery issue head on through the Civil War? Where do you think that turning point was where he, you know, takes these ideas and really starts to push for them politically? And that came from Blerta
0: too. Shout out to her. Mary, you want to take that one first?
2: Okay. Well, I think his initial motivation was when he f- saw the slaves when he was on his way down to, I believe it was New Orleans and that stuck with him his whole life. And I think, um, you know, and just, he knew the causes of the civil war. I think he knew they were slavery. Um, you know, you read the second inaugural and it mentions slavery as the cause, but I think he saw more and more as a civil war went on that, This is what it's really about and I need to emancipate them and this needs to stop because it is forever going to divide the nation and we can't have the union back unless slavery, unless we emancipate the slaves and end it for all time and have equality.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that in that same experience when he started to work um, and Michael Burlingame is big on making this point that um, the first work that he did. 100% 100% of his earnings went to his father, which was fairly customary. But um, so that's just a sliver of an understanding of slavery. Um, in his uh, one quote that I kind of turn to a lot is when he says or when he said, um, as I would not be a slave, I will not own slaves. So he's saying so like he wouldn't since he wouldn't um, subject himself to that, nor would he do that to others. Um, And he, I think his his abolition agreements were very, very mild. They they were revolutionary relative to others, but the main abolitionist arguments, really from him and everybody, were not about the, you know, because slavery was not owning of other people's bodies. It was torture. It was rape. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, treating them like machines or animals, like whipping them into, you know, beating them into producing more, Product. I mean, this was not something where you were simply owned by another person, although that is dehumanizing enough as it is. Uh, But Abraham Lincoln's big argument was he just believed, and I think a lot of it came from that trip to New Orleans and also from him giving 100% of his earnings to his father, that every, and he would say every man, but every person is entitled to the sweat from their own brow, that every person is entitled to the fruits of their own labor. And that was the big argument for abolition, and that's the one that took hold, It wasn't as much a humanitarian one as a labor and production kind Mm -hmm. of argument. But again, that's because he knew it would work, and it ultimately did.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with both of you, so I won't bore our listeners with a rehashing of this stuff. Um, Well, I think this kind of transitions nicely, too. For me, you know, we talk about, I know you mentioned the Emancipation Proclamation. That's always a tough thing to teach. Uh, the students, because it's really a political weapon. Um, then you know, because it freed the slaves in the South, where they weren't listening to the, the you know uh, Lincoln anyway. So um, and it didn't free any of the slaves in the slave states that were still part of the Union. So a lot of kids. Um, so Michael's question was, you know, did it actually do anything for the slaves?
0: Right, I would say. No. not. I mean, yes and no. It was a moral issue. Like, when slaves in the South heard about it, they, they knew that abolition was on its way, or at least efforts were finally being made officially to do it. It did a lot for the war. It made the war about slavery of officially or explicitly. It always was, um, but that was Abraham Lincoln endorsing or coming forward and saying it. It was a hugely important what I kind of point to, though, is a lot of times students or critics of Lincoln say, like, that didn't free one slave, and then they kind of extend that to saying, like, Abraham Lincoln didn't, didn't free one slave, which I agree with. He didn't free one slave. He, he, well, he didn't free any of them. They were, they, you, know, you, you can't grant their freedom that's God-given or creator-given, but he freed all of them because, like, the Emancipation Proclamation has so much fame and notoriety, but we don't really talk about the 13th Amendment a whole lot, at least not before the movie came out. You know, so like that amendment forever, you know you know, I know that Shelby forever free is in the Emancipation Proclamation, but like that amended and changed the u s Constitution to prohibit slavery forever, hugely important and and he was obviously instrumental in doing that, so when critiquing the degree to which Abraham Lincoln freed slaves, don't just look at the Emancipation Proclamation, look at the Thirteenth Amendment, the mm-hmm. proclamation itself, technically, maybe you can argue that it didn't free anybody. Um, Or you could say that it was the significant, huge, giant leap of a first step toward telling everybody this is what this war is going to be about.
1: Well, yeah, to me, it's the clearing of the air. It's like the war is now officially about slavery. You know, it's kind of like you're having an argument with your spouse and you're kind of just poking around at the issue. And then finally, somebody just comes out and says, This is what it is. This is what it's about. Mm -hmm. You know, lays it out on Mm -hmm. the table. um, And it leads without this, you know, maybe you don't have the 13th Amendment coming around. I'm um, like it did it, it lays out what the future is going to be if the union wins and the union won and what was that future 13th 14th 15th amendment. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I Jeremy, I completely agree with what you said and I'm kind of writing down notes as I go and that was as soon as Nick asked the question, I wrote down it brought light to what the civil war was about. It you know, took the elephant that was in the room mm-hmm. and made it clear to everybody that this is what this war is about.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Um, let's go a what if. I think this will fit in nicely. Uh, this is question from Olivia Lewis, but Blake and I probably shouldn't have said the last name. Blake and Sean also um, had a kind of a similar question, but Lewis I, I got, could also be a first name. So yeah, maybe, that's maybe true. Maybe yeah. Olivia team. and Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Olivia uh, phrased it this way. What do you believe would have come out of the election of 1858 if Lincoln won the Senate seat over Douglas? Whoa,
0: that's a good one. Whoa, yeah, I really that's like that. a good one. He would not have been president, I don't think. I mean, if, if he won that Senate I, seat in 1858, he would have been a U.S. senator. There's no chance he's president. No, and, and who is? Man. Seward maybe. I mean I still don't know if the front runner would yeah. have ended up winning that nomination. I don't know.
2: I I don't think Seward would have got the nomination because I think he was too much of an abolitionist to get it.
1: Douglas. A, I mean, is that they why they went won? to Lincoln in the first place is mm-hmm. because he was too
0: radical at that time? I mean, this is yeah. a giant what if because they're they're may, yeah. you know, Lincoln was you know, fairly, I mean, obviously he was not that well mm-hmm. known. In uh, a moderate. So they probably would have gravitated to another Lincoln type person. Bates, perhaps. Chase, yeah. perhaps. Um, and who knows? Would they have been able to lead? Would that have led the Civil War? Probably. Um, yeah. Had, had Chase or Bates won, um, which they probably would have done. Because Lincoln, keep in mind, didn't do any campaigning. It was not customary for him to mm-hmm. do so in 1860. So he did not win that election because. Of his political genius at that point, he won the nomination, I believe, because of it. But the party largely held that held the, the reins of the election. So, what? I think whoever the Republicans ended up nominating probably would have won, and it still probably would have led to civil war. And this podcast may have been about that person. You know, I mean, I doubt it. I don't know if anybody would have been able to do it in the way that Lincoln did. But yeah, that's a great question.
1: That, that and, and, is, who would have,
0: and who would have run for the Democrats? Because now Douglas isn't a senator because he just lost. Yeah. He can't even win a statewide election in his home state. So who do the Democrats then nominate? You know, maybe they put up somebody.
1: Does Douglas sniff around with the idea of going Republican? Does oh, his name carry clout so. or is he just toast and water after losing, if he, were to, if he did lose to
0: Lincoln at that point? I don't think he could. I,
2: th- yeah. I think he would have stayed Democrat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. He, I mean, he was a stalwart of the, the Democratic Party in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think he's, no, I don't think so.
2: No. Uh, it it also, like, leads to another what-if. So, if Lincoln had won the Senate, would he have run for president in 64? Would he have been the nominee?
0: Yeah. And, and, yeah, who, yeah. 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 Would he have resigned his seat and fought, you know, yeah. if the Civil War so, – you know, like, I don't know. I Maybe. Probably not. But, you know, like – Who knows? I mean, a lot of some senators did that. A lot of representatives did that. Would he have gotten? That's a question too. Yeah, would he have been in the Civil War? As a yeah,
1: I don't know. I think the Civil War happens regardless. Yes, obviously, country was going. I think it
2: does too. Yeah,
1: yeah, it does. And now, does it happen when it does, or does it get delayed a
0: little bit there? I don't know. I mean, I think as soon as any Republican won, because again, Lincoln was a moderate. And and they seceded as soon as he won, you know, yeah. so I think, I think it probably would have been Bates or Chase. Um uh, mm-hmm. and I think the secession would have still happened and the whole course of the war would have changed because I mean, you know, our Fort Sumter episode clearly said there were many <laughs> options and each one of them would have taken them more in a different path. There's all yeah. kinds of butterfly effect things too. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would have been probably Bates or Chase. Um, yeah. If it were Bates, <laughs> the Union yeah. may well have lost. If it was Chase, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Um, Chase was definitely an abolitionist, definitely a, a very strong-headed leader. I don't know. You know, that's would, that, you know.
2: would Lincoln have had a cabinet position?
0: Yeah, I, that
1: I, he they would have cut the no. I, I guess they wouldn't. Would they have needed him to cut a deal? Like, would he have had some clout over the delegates?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if, if and who you know, if that convention's still in Chicago, that makes him a very important person if he's not mm-hmm. running. I don't know. That's a great question. Yeah, that I, was I really say, good. I would say <laughs> we, if that happened, we wouldn't know who he was unless we're really into the history of the Senate. I, I okay. agree. And then I think uh, the reason we think the Civil
1: War would happen is because the way the tickets would break down. The Democratic Party for the, mm-hmm. for the high school kids over there, they were already pretty much divided on what they wanted, their stance. So that would have made it, you know, that's kind of what happened to them. Democrats became divided and had several candidates. And then you have, you know, um, what's the other party that's created? I can't oh, even think of it. Right.
0: Constitutional yep. Union. Yep. yep. Yeah. So
1: um, that would have happened probably regardless and then when you divide that amongst three people, all you need is one other candidate, and the Republicans would have had their group together still, and kind of taken the election. That's why we're saying that. Yeah. For yep. the high school kids out yep. there, um, you know, I thought it was a great what if. So mm-hmm. a very fascinating that was question. Really, when you said that what
0: that's if, I'm like, oh, this will be kind of fun. I'm like, oh yeah. wow, that's really good. And that, that's yeah, well, it's part funny. Part it.
2: I was actually. Like, Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say when I was reading White's bio and I was back reading about when Lincoln ran for Senate, the one thing I thought was, What if he had won the Senate? Mm-hmm. Like
0: Yeah, and I'm always like that's this is such crap because he got more votes technically, but because the legislature yeah. elected senators at the time, he really won, but he didn't win. It's probably a really good thing that he didn't win. Yeah.
1: Those of you listening, you, you have, uh, you know, some ideas or thoughts or theories on how things would play out. Please share them with us, too. So, um, And high school kids, I mean, what ifs make history fun. So once you start getting into stuff and you can mm-hmm. fool around with what ifs, that's what makes for a fun conversation. So I yeah. encourage you to do that. Yeah,
0: Back in the days where I used to eat lunch with Mr. Stangy every day, basically it was, and maybe still be, but we just talked about what ifs of history and presidential power fights.
1: Now it's just, what if he wasn't our boss? No, I'm just joking.
0: (laughs) Excuse me if you heard my sneeze (laughs) off, Mike. Sorry. (laughs) Um, All right. We
1: got a couple assassination questions. Um, I think this kind of plays into, did Lincoln have a bodyguard at Ford's Theater? If not, why not? If so, why didn't he stop Booth?
0: I believe the answer is yes. Um, But... Mm -hmm. He stepped out for some reason. Uh, I'm going to have to, and I know like if Boothie Barnes listening to this, he's like, you idiots, because he's very good at this kind of thing. Um, he had one, I believe, and it was kind of an informal thing, and I was it um, Ward Hill Layman? I believe it was Ward Hill Layman was supposed to be the I guy.
2: think it was, or was it some guy named Parker? I don't know. The name Parker's coming to my mind. Parker.
0: George
1: is popping in my head. Is that no? No, no, I'm, a, no I'm, I'm pretty chucking. sure. I know where, <laughs> I
0: it was Ward Hill Well, the, yeah. the Secret Service didn't exist. Um, he created the. I mean, it existed, but he it did, created
2: it that day,
0: right? But it yeah. didn't. But not. Right. It, and it wasn't intended to protect the president.
1: Yeah, the Secret um, Service was intended for um, counterfeiting. Yeah,
0: counterfeit money, which I couldn't re- couldn't recall mm-hmm. in our trivia episode. Um, but yeah, the, protecting the president wasn't even a concept at the time, which is strange. I mean, people just walked into the White House um, and Lincoln had a couple other... Arguably, I mean, they think that he had a couple other attempts on his life. Um, almost got into a carriage accident that, that could have killed him, potentially. Um, they were very... A lot more, um, you know, kind of laissez-faire with presidential protection. Obviously, with him being the first assassinated president, that changed a lot of things, but...
1: Um, well, even... I, re- I was reading a book about Truman... I I guess this was after he was president. Once he got out of office, I mean, him and his wife just packed up their car and drove across the country, just like a road trip. Hey, we're going road trip. So like, no no protection or anything. And that's
0: kind of mind-boggling. That's kind of awesome in a way to me. Um, Well, he had an attempt on his life. Truman did. Yeah, Um, that's a great. In David McCullough's biography of Harry Truman, there's a great story. Great, like right after uh, Eisenhower is inaugurated, they start that road trip and they're really confused in the car because it was the first time in five years that they had stopped at a red light because they didn't have to <laughs> before. So it's, it's kind of an easy <laughs> Um But yeah, Ward Hill Lehman, uh, in my, you know, my real quick Wikipedia research, uh, was the personal friend and self-appointed bodyguard of Abraham Lincoln, and he was famously absent the night at Ford's. Mm. So um, I think Lincoln yeah, Lincoln had sent him to do something in Richmond. Um, yeah. So he wasn't there. Like, so Ward Hill Lehman was kind of like... You know the unofficial like hang out with you, but also be your bodyguard, yeah, kind of like I guess what you know your crew or your posse he, he was mm-hmm. a crew member yeah, <laughs> yeah he was just, I like that yeah, one of his guys so he's
1: got a fascinating story if I re- remember correctly
0: mm-hmm.
1: so and then you're right, you know he created the secret there was that day right yes, created, it was the- it was
2: earlier that day he created the secret service, which was just as you guys said for counterfeit money.
1: And then I believe uh, Mr. Boyce shared a story about your neighbor or
0: was it a kid you knew in high school? What was or that? the Secret Service oh, yeah. using yeah. they, they they printed some funny money on a color yeah. printer. Don't <laughs> do that. It, back that, in the time it was the nineties, like the printer was very impressive. Like <laughs> we just didn't really have a lot of color printers back then.
1: There was a kid in my high school that would um, because you remember how our driver's license were just like laminated. Mm-hmm. He had, like, a lamination machine, and he was, like, making fake license. This is all stories <laughs> not to do. I Being just a kid in the 90s was a little easier, yeah.
0: I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> don't get in trouble. Notice how this was kids that we knew <laughs> then. We don't know where they're at now. No, so. no. no
0: they're probably, probably in jail.
1: Um, all right, here is another one. Uh, this kind of transitions out of the assassination of Mary Todd, though. What happened to Lincoln's wife? This is from Zachary. And then at that Ford Theater question was from Molly. So.
0: so Zach wants to know what happened to Lincoln's wife, Mary Todd. I'm guessing after the assassination. Yeah. Um, Mary, do you want to take this one? or
2: um, I can take it a little bit. Um, she, it took her, it, She, I do not believe she attended his funeral um, a while before she was moved out of the White House. Um, she ended up putting some of her dresses on display as a way to make money after he was assassinated. Uh, She was at one point committed to an asylum by her, her son, Robert Todd. Uh, Court actually ordered her to be in that way. And she, um, she did go over to Europe as well. Um, Unfortunately, I believe that is where Tad became ill and eventually died so I think struggled after uh, Lincoln had been assassinated. And, I mean, who wouldn't? She was right next to him when he was shot, um, and she'd lost. She ended up losing three of her children, and, just, and then just Robert was left. So I think she really struggled after his assassination, and she, when she passed away, I believe she was living with her sister,
0: I think. Yeah, uh, I think that that's all good analysis, accurate. Um, I think it's important to note that um, mental health is, you know, mental health care wasn't a thing then. Mental health was obviously a thing. Um, So, yeah, it's a great point when you lose a 4-year-old and a 12-year-old and then an 18-year-old, and in the middle of that, your husband was assassinated Mm -hmm. while you were literally holding onto his arm. Um. And then there's no sort of support to help with the grieving process Mm -hmm. or depression or loss or, you know, and then uh, literally to be um, almost incarcerated in a way, institutionalized um, for being insane. Um, It's very, very tragic, uh, very tragic. Um, But, yeah, she... And, of course, the one son, one offspring... Who did mm-hmm. not die was the one who put her in that institution. Yeah. So it's just a sad, it's a sad deal all around. Because um, obviously, if that happened yeah. now, and I think she, be support and you know medicine th- to help.
2: I think she had to, uh, for you know, money from the government, you know, to get what was left of Lincoln's salary for being president, just to help her out. You know, she. To do that, and I mean, when I learned this stuff about her, I, I see her as being an incredibly strong woman for going through what she did, and I admire her for it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, history has been very unkind, she's been the butt of a lot of jokes for mm-hmm. a lot of years, and it's very unfair.
1: Yeah, I mean, she definitely had to, I would imagine, be suffering from PTSD from yeah. those different events, especially just the Lincoln episode alone. Then you put on the fact that, you know, three of her children was it three or four, three, three, three children, three. Um, you know, one can only imagine. Mm-hmm. So, um, May, uh, Mary, what's your friend for Mary uh, Todd Lincoln is a fascinating lady. And there is a great, a great, a great, <laughs> uh, a great Twitter follow out there. Yeah. And what's the handle?
2: i think it's dr stacy let me just look it up um i've met her i've yeah stacy mcdermott i have met her before she and i've heard her lecture she is a wonderful lady um she's a good friend of mine Um,
0: it's uh, at stacy phd yeah stacy phd
1: so for the kids and other adults too well the we are talking about young adults, but mm-hmm. others outside the AP world, too, if you're interested in getting in the Lincoln uh, nerd social media uh, sphere, uh,
0: she's a good follow. Yep, and she followed us just this week, which was really a treat to see. Thank you. Thank you for the follow. That's right. All right, let's go
1: with some current events. How would link? a lot of kids actually brought up um, kind of the Black Lives um black lives matter movement uh trayvon martin ferguson so patrick zachary matt and olivia all kind of had a similar question and it is how would lincoln have responded to other instances of racial oppression throughout later history uh throughout history um and they really focused in on the current events you know got to understand high school kids history is a lot not as deep as ours um but yeah, then they really focused in on the Black Lives Matter movement. Lots of kids ask that question.
0: I f- I believe that he would have been a wholehearted yeah, supporter of it um, for sure. Um, I don't know if there's anything really to compare it to because the Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter movement is rooted in empowering Black people and and making the case that 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 Black lives Um, being lost, you know, this idea that, that, um, and I was just talking about this today, like if a black person is creating a crime, somehow it's totally fine for that person to die, that their life doesn't matter because they've chosen to commit a crime, whereas white people don't have that. If we commit crimes, we get arrested, Um, that their lives matter, that um, that all is rooted out of providing power and I don't mean power like as a like as an oppressive force or as um something bad but as something good, like empowerment um uh, would, would not have existed because slavery, you know, was like, before before civil rights there was abolition, right? Before Black Lives Matter there was civil rights and um it, it it is a stage in that development. So Lincoln, I believe, would have been a wholehearted supporter of Black Lives Matter. Um he helped cultivate the seeds sown by abolitionists before him and, um, the slaves themselves who are fighting for their own empowerment. Um, and he gave them the, the first power that they really had from a legal sense in the abolition of slavery. So, um, yeah, I mean, there were some, I think, I think to, to, to compare it to any other groups, you know, it's, I do think it's unique in history. So, um, yeah, yeah, I would say he'd be a supporter.
2: Yep, I completely agree with what Jeremy said. He totally would have supported it. And I think in a way he was really, you know, when he freed the slaves, he was telling them, yeah, you matter, you know.
0: Very good point. Right. Yep. Um, John Brown did what he did, uh, but I want to be careful to caution people to compare his movement to things like the Black Lives Matter movement because – um. They're not I don't think that's a fair comparison john brown no. uh was a was a criminal and you mm-hmm. know, w- wanted to, wanted to create an uprising, which is is what it is that I think would be to misunderstand the black lives matter it's about empowerment it's you know it's about standing up and and those kinds of things where you know it's not about starting a revolution or a, you know any sort of violence at all
1: no i and I agree with you hundred percent on that that's a very good point. Um, and I agree with you guys too. I think he definitely would have been a a supporter. Do you guys think he would be a very if he was a politician, a very vocal supporter? Um, do you think he would tiptoe the line? Do you think it would depend? Well, I guess you'd be from Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I
0: mean, he's he's still a politician. You know, like there's no I have no doubt. I can't speak for any other person, but I believe that Barack Obama is 100% behind the Black Lives... Not behind is isn't it, created it, but in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, And he inferred that, and he alluded to that, but he never attended a rally. You know, he never came out and supported it. He said things like, you know, my daughters would look like Trayvon if they were... You know, or if I had a son, you know, he would look like Trayvon. Like, very powerful Mm -hmm. thing to say, but not quite an endorsement, right? Not quite a you know, a full-on, I am part of this movement, right, because he's a politician. Um, And I think Lincoln would have probably done similar things to that, like clearly supported it from, like, people who kind of can understand what he's saying, Mm -hmm. but not, like, overtly waving the flag and wearing the pin or whatever, you know. um, I think it would have been more in a policy, more in stance, uh, more in support, but not quite so obvious about it.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. And I don't know how many of the students will relate to this, but um, with a question like this, I look to how the Prime Minister of Canada, who is the leader of my country, would, would react to something like that, Justin Trudeau. And Justin Trudeau actually has a lot of the qualities that Lincoln had as a leader, and he has also quoted Lincoln in a few of his speeches. And looking at how Justin gets behind You know, just stuff for equality, whether it's the LGBTQ community or the indigenous peoples in our country. I think that that would show how Lincoln would be behind it. So, yes, I think Lincoln definitely would have been behind the Black
1: Lives Movement. Uh, Trudeau, he wore uh, Lincoln socks, right? Yeah. So, you know, kids who are, you know... (laughs) uh students are listening thinking lincoln socks aren't cool uh look up trudeau he's got pretty good fashion sense and he's wearing, and he's wearing lincoln socks so yeah when i'm busting mine out you know that, that's legit i don't know if newham has got any though but we can get her a pair um question from hannah how would lincoln feel about the modern day platform of the republican party
0: <laughs> wow! A great question. <laughs> um, if you listen carefully, I was just in Springfield, which is a very moving place to be, and the the where Lincoln is buried in Oak Ridge Cemetery is a sacred place for me. Um, I was just there last weekend, and it's very quiet and serene. And if you listen carefully enough, you can hear him rolling over in that grave. That's not true, but uh, I believe that he would be absolutely appalled at the current political situation um, and the lack of decorum and the lack of um, respect and the hate that is currently happening right now. Um, And I think that the party of Lincoln uh, is, is, you know, Lincoln – Certain, I mean, it's undeniable from historians from every stance that Lincoln was the Republican Party was the liberal party in the 1860s. Uh, Johnson, Grant, same thing. Um, the best historical, and we should do, we're, we, you know, we do have a, pl- a whole episode planned on this. I believe that the Republican Party started on its path to what it is today when the, a back deal room, a backroom deal, uh, was reached with Rutherford Hayes to become president, um, yep. and decided to completely end Reconstruction. Reconstruction had a lot of social programs, Freedmen's Bureau they were called, and the big ones were the big one was called to help former slaves rise up. And he ended all of those, and that was when the parties started to switch back.
1: Well, uh, I know a lot of these kids are in AP Calculus. You could just look at the numbers, mm-hmm. the number of you know black politicians that were getting elected. And then that happens and that mm-hmm. number virtually goes to zero. Right. Yeah. Tanahazi so.
0: Coates' new book is called We were Eight Years in Power. That that title was not taken from Barack Obama. That title was taken from Reconstruction Congress people that you're just talking about. Yeah. Um and another way to look at it, you could look at it too, is if you look at political maps up until nineteen sixty eight, you can see geographically where uh where the country voted as far as, you know, in, in states that were known for Really enforcing Jim Crow, and to be a little bit more race, a lot more racist um, in ways. Not to say that the North wasn't, uh, but when Lyndon Johnson and the Democrats got behind the Civil Rights Act in 1964 and 1965, there was a complete shift in who voted for whom, um, and you can see Johnson's political map and Kennedy's political map in sixty and sixty four. And Nixon's map in 68 And then every single one ever since And if you're just looking at Confederate states That'll kind of tell you Some things that shifted The party's landscape uh, As far as the current occupant of the White House goes um, to, to The fact that uh, He holds the same office that Abraham Lincoln Held um, And not him singularly but certainly him It's, uh, it's, it's a travesty Now if you mm-hmm. compared him to Fillmore then That's more understandable <laughs>
2: I was waiting so, for that.
1: <laughs> you go ahead, Mary. Uh,
2: I I agree. I think Lincoln would have been really completely against it. And I've had my own experiences with that lately. Um uh, my partner and I have been watching Ken Burns Civil War documentary again and um the part when they were you know reciting parts of Lincoln's first inaugural um my partner uh he said to me, "How is this the same party?" Like the speeches, the way they speak, like, how is it the same party? And I just like my jerk response was it is not the same party other than in name.
1: And you're so right on it. I mean, Lincoln's Republican Party is completely different than the 2017 Republican yeah.
0: Party. Right. And, and that's not just, I mean, the Democrats, you know, like I'm a John Kennedy fan. Um, to a certain extent, I'm a Franklin Roosevelt fan. I'm a Harry Truman fan the democratic party is not what it was then either in mm-hmm. good ways and in bad yes. ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and you know, and I just want to say like, since we are talking to students at the public high school I work at, um, that have beliefs and stand strongly in them. So like this idea, I never have subscribed to this idea that teachers can't have political beliefs and educators can't have political beliefs, but if you're intolerant of others, political beliefs, uh, that's a problem. So, um, I am very highly critical of, Obviously, the Republican Party, from what I just said, that does not mean that I don't respect the people in our community who believe that way, um, as long as there's no hate, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, my, my beliefs are as much a part of me as my, the nose on my face, so I'm not going to pretend like I don't have them because I work in public education. However, I, I don't think you'll find me disrespecting any, anybody. Hopefully you won't. If you do, call me out. Good point, good point.
1: Um... All right. If Lincoln could come back... This is from Matthew. If Lincoln could come back to life and see the us and all its glory. Glory was in quotes.
0: Did you say the us? Did he write the US?
1: Yeah, yeah. Probably <laughs> did.
0: In my defense, I typed it lowercase. Okay. So well, That, that and, somehow makes it better.
1: And for the students listening, I am the idiot rail splitter, which you probably know based on my appearance at school. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right, let me start that over. If Lincoln come back to life and see the U.S. in all its glory, in quotes, would he be disappointed or would he um, congratulate the growth that's been made even with all the problems that still are present in pres- in society today?
0: Um, I would say he would be proud. Um, I'm, I'm thinking back to... Um, I, I was taking a class a couple semesters ago and someone who's now a very close friend of mine, um, who I hadn't really met yet, we are just kind of starting our journey through an to a, to a educational program. Um, the professor was doing this icebreaker activity, um, and he had these, everybody took a note card with a question, so we were supposed to learn, each other, learn about each other. Mine was something about my car, like what kind of car, what's your dream car, which is like the worst question for me, because I'm not a car person at all, I don't care about that stuff. Uh, but anyway... Uh, but my friend, um, her name's Kendra, She her card was, if you could be reborn at any point in history, what point would it be? And her answer was, today. Because feminism, racism, you know, or, you know, anti-racism, equality is better today than it's ever been. Is it where it should be? No. Is it close? No. But to say that at any point in history we were better off than we are now, Um, I think is an understatement, or not an understatement, but a misstatement. It's not correct. Like, the the idea of making America great again, um, I think we've been progressing this whole time. Um, So when she said that, like she said, as a feminist, I would say right now, because any time before now, it was worse for for me. Um, So I would think Lincoln would say, like, yeah, like, we have made so much progress. We're not where we should be. We're not where we can be. But that's kind of the whole journey of America, right? That's what we do. When when
1: I was teaching about the you know election and then you know talk about the slogan "Make America Great Again," the the problem with that slogan and why it's so troubling is for those reasons you're talking about somebody you know in LGBT community and you look back at history. All right, if '50s is when America was great, all right, yeah, economically the country grew as a whole, but holy smokes, you know. It, it, if you're an African American in the South, is that the America that you want to go back again? That's why it's so troubling. Mm-hmm. Right. And I and I I can't remember who said it. I wish I could off the top of my head. Um. But the person was arguing instead of saying "Make America great," it should be "Let's make America as good as we possibly can." Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's the idea of let's continue to take these steps forward. And that's kind of how I you know. That's what always bugged me with that make that America great again. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about? And from a social standpoint, you know, we're probably as far forward we've ever been mm-hmm. um, and hopefully it continues that way. Someday days I wonder, mm-hmm. um, but definitely on a social scale, we are definitely further ahead than we've ever been. Yes.
2: Yeah. I completely agree with you, Nate, Nick. And like when I first heard that make America great again slogan, my first thought was, well, what's wrong to begin with as a Canadian watching the election and seeing it all unfold. That, that was my thought the whole way through was, but it's, it's already to me, it was a great place in progressing, you know, like with just like LGBTQ marriage equality and, and all that. Like, so I do agree with, I agree with what you're both saying.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what patriotism is, is to say, um, my love for this country is not what it is. It's what it's becoming. You know, I I hang a flag in my office. I hang a flag in my home. Um, I, you know, I I am a patriotic person, which is not to say that I am an American exceptionalist. It's not to say that I think that it's the greatest country in the world, because I don't. Um, it's my favorite country in the world. Um, but I do think that that idea of make American great again is very much rooted in power systems and who who was it great for and when and it, like you see it all all over the place like the Greatest Generation this like idea that back in that generation like they were somehow better back then than they are now when like you think about like well who was holding the fire hoses in the South in the '60s who was lynching people that wore black people that wore uniforms when they came back from the war like did they make tremendous sacrifice is it something to be proud of as an American absolutely is it were, were was society greater then than it is now no. And that's the idea of progress. It sure mm-hmm. was the greatest generation when it was there because they, did, they were a much more progressive society than the World War I generation or Lincoln's generation or Washington's generation because progress is what makes us, as Americans, who we are, I believe, um, because we're never going to get there, right? Um, but, yeah, so if Lincoln were reincarnated, um, I think he would be okay seeing the progress mm-hmm. that we're currently in, but also... Yeah. Also have a lot to say about where we need to go. Yeah, I agree. So
1: students, you heard that. Mr. Boyce said that you all will be the greatest generation. I did.
0: I (laughs) did. Until, and wait. Please wait. But until you have another generation, then they'll be the greatest generation. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Man, could just never win. Can't stay on top forever, (laughs) can you? (laughs) Uh, All right. Fun questions. We ready? Yeah. We uh, we might need to revisit some of these. We're getting uh, we're getting long here for a podcast. 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 Episode. Well, sorry if you heard some echo there. Uh, Remix. <laughs> so uh, maybe end with a fun one, and then we can maybe revisit some of the questions. All right, let's go. We got two more in us.
1: Sure. Why is yeah. Lincoln on the penny?
0: I uh, I don't know how to answer that. Uh, he just, he is? I don't know. As opposed to, as to what? Why is he, why, how did he get on the pen? Wasn't
2: it for, was it for the centennial of his birth?
1: It was.
0: Luckily, <laughs> I researched oh, this geez. one. <laughs> <You> know, ah, <laughs> we're never going to win the trivia with Marianne. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt
1: authorized <laughs> it. And it was 1908- was the
0: was 1908
1: <laughs> yep uh for his 100th birthday he yeah. was put on it first president on a coin very taboo at that time um 1959 the memorial
0: was added to the back so so what you're saying is since uh Lincoln went on the penny in 1909 there was a period of time a long period of time where the Cubs had gone longer without a World Series than Lincoln was actually on the penny. <laughs> yes. that's. Crazy. But that's no longer
1: true. That's no longer true. No. And we're on our way to 10 Tober. Oh, um, oh. 1959. Wasn't that like the last time the Indians did anything?
2: Oh. Hey. No. <laughs> Wait
0: a second. Oh. I think that's
1: Yeah. Cleveland. Yes. Uh,. What do we prefer, beards or Chuck Norris? Oh, Chuck Norris has a beard. Trick question. Yeah. Oh, that is uh, true. Could Abraham Lincoln beat Chuck Norris in a fight? Sam wants to know. And that last penny question was Trinity. Okay. Could Lincoln beat Chuck Norris in a fight? Yes. Yes. I also agree. Um <laughs> We should start making Lincoln references, like there are Chuck Norris references.
0: I agree. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: With Lincoln, Renee wants to know: Would Lincoln be disappear disappointed? Excuse me, of the lack of beards in the White House.
0: You know, I he don't. Like the, I think the beard because yeah. like I don't see him getting into the, like the hipster beard thing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I would say I think he'd be okay with it. I think he, he'd be. Less um, less okay with, like, how formal everything is. Like, no one's wearing boots. No one's wearing, like, a really shoddily tied tie. Yeah. Dude, Are Obama so got lamb
1: blasted for that tan suit. Yeah. You know what they would do to Lincoln's yeah. appearance? <laughs> yeah. I know, and yeah. We're basically exactly. wear the same dirty suit every day. Yeah. Like, that picture of when he won the nomination, like, with the frazzled hair. You guys know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. It's, like, all messed up.
0: Like, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's the lack of beards. I think it's the, uh, yeah, the over fancy everything else.
1: Yeah, he and, would and not. I don't think he'd like that. For the students, Lincoln was not known for um, his professional attire, um, no. which is why I
0: dressed the way I
1: did <laughs> at the high school. So <laughs> yes. I aspired
0: to be Lincoln. In the world of fashion, Mr. Stangy is the Abraham Lincoln of Harlem High School. Oh, ooh, I like that. That's I'm gonna
1: use that if I ever get called in. Yeah.
2: I'm probably the Abraham Lincoln of where I work because I wore an Ohio State shirt today and like jeans.
0: I like so, it. I don't think Abraham Lincoln would wear an Ohio State shirt, but that's a conversation for the, end of the day. Uh, that's how the Fillmore uh feud started.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: who I I just read Lincoln Hung like went to Niagara Falls with Fillmore. Gosh. How terrible of a trip was that for him? <laughs> uh, th- like, th- Canadian colleges? Like, do people wear all that gear up there? I'm sure they do. What, like? You know, like Ohio State. What's the Ohio State of Canada?
2: The Ohio State Al- Al- of Canada? Alberta Province uh, University? We don't really have college teams here at all. Um, it would be, I don't know, like, in Niagara area, it'd be probably be people cheering for the Maple Leafs, the hockey team. All right. Which is like the Cleveland like Browns of joke? the NHL.
0: I love that joke. The Ohio State University would be the Alberta Providence University. No, I got it. I think yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> I said it twice.
1: I think you realized nobody got it, and you were explaining it. It wasn't that complicated, because yeah. you know, never mind. Hopefully, the students have turned I should off. Should have said I'm Ontario. Or,
0: but... <laughs> I
2: apparently didn't get it either. <laughs>
1: uh renee also had a critique uh about our uh show the music is on your show plays the music on your show plays for too long and it's awkward (laughs) also you don't need
0: to bookend it with the intro
1: something about like the double intro she doesn't like
0: okay yeah that was uh, we didn't our, our first two episodes we did not do that and then we started doing that the intro song for those of you keeping score at home is 31 seconds so, teenagers these days cannot wait thirty seconds. Yeah,
1: I've heard she's an avid podcast listener, so Aww. we're probably not going to change you. it, though. But we appreciate the constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. And who, who was it? That it. Certain... We actually had a good comment
0: from Mister Burns. That's true. About the. That's true. So, all right. Well, uh, that was really fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I, my youth, my my faith in the youth of America remains strong. Uh, Those were great questions, well thought out, deep. Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, So, thank you to uh, the AP history students. If there are more questions, we might revisit them sometime soon because I know your test on Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War is probably coming up Mm -hmm. soon.
1: And I, uh, if you enjoy history, and I know I talked to the first hour class about this, there is a community out there for you. There are a lot of people that are interested in this. All three. Well, probably me and Mr. Boyce more than Mary, um, because she was already part of the community. I've really found that there's a huge history community out there for Lincoln, for the Civil War, and I'm guaranteed for any subject matter mm-hmm. out there. Yep. So go out there, follow it. You know, if somebody says that's weird or not, no, it isn't. It's cool. So um, I'd encourage you to seek those people out. Hear, hear.
2: I agree. I agree right. completely.
0: All right, our weekly feature is This Week in Lincoln, and Mr. Rail Splitter Nick Stangy has uh, supplies with This Week in Lincoln, and I don't even know what it is. So what do you got? Actually,
1: you do know what it is. Uh, we're keeping it in the Harlem community. Um, we work with uh, a Miss Stoyer who has a young son, and she sent me the picture the other day of him reading a Abraham Lincoln book titled the story of Abraham Lincoln bought
0: by one Mr. Boyce that is true well, that's my, that warms my heart yeah when uh, yeah I, we sent that to him when he was like negative six months he was just an idea <laughs> I don't know do you know the story of what do you know like the plot of the oh yeah we have it yeah it's one of our favorites that we read to our kids and uh what's the plot it's it's just a little bio. I would, by, by the way, and I actually had this thought when I was at the museum. We we're going to do an episode, and we're going to do an episode uh, talking about bi- biographies. Uh, that's by uh, Doreen Rappaport is her name. Uh, it's a really good Abraham Lincoln biography if you're looking for a reader that's one to four years old. <laughs> I am all over Aww. this. Yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. She, the illustrations are great, and... That, I'm so happy that she posted that. That makes me feel good.
1: So I'll share that picture with you and have you throw it out there. And where can people find This Week at Lincoln always, as well as communicate with us?
0: It, it will be on our Instagram uh, at, at RailsplitterPod, and that's our Twitter handle as well. Uh, you can email us at therailsplitterpodcast at com. And then we have our Facebook group, which that is a great resource mm-hmm. uh, for any students of Lincoln. We've got some really, really good followers who – post interesting articles current event stuff all kinds of stuff about abraham lincoln it's a really it's really been fun i've been really happy with the response we've gotten there
1: no yeah i agree so uh man feel free to subscribe to us on itunes and podbean and feel free to rate us um if you're gonna rate us a one though you better leave us some comments I'm speaking to you, that one person out there, who's probably a student I have at <laughs> Uh
0: We are up to 20 ratings, so hopefully... Uh, we did get a five star with that one. We did, yeah. And uh, we're happy to have the feedback. Uh, the reason we like ratings is just because we want to be accessible to people. And the more ratings you get, the easier uh, the iTunes search algorithms find you. So we just want people to type in Abraham Lincoln and find us. And more credibility when we try to get a guest, too. That is true. true.
1: Uh, So, students, if you hate me, um, just badmouth me on social media. I mean, you got my full approval for that, you know. Don't bring Mary down because you're mad at me and Mr. Boyce. (laughs) So, it's not fair to her. So, all right.
0: uh, Any parting thoughts, uh, Mary or Nick? Um, That
2: was really awesome. And... I, I don't know about you guys, but I think it would be fun to do another episode like that again sometime with questions from the students.
1: I agree. I think uh throwing it out to our other listeners as well would be also great. Yes. So, yeah, I uh, think that would
0: be It'd be awesome. a great one
1: if we could get Cornelius on again too to do some questions. <laughs>
0: yeah, those yeah. Those those would be very correct and accurate answers. Yeah. Yeah, we don't claim to be experts. We're fans, but I do think we're pretty darn knowledgeable. Obviously, Mary, she gets every trivia question right. (laughs) So, All right, well, that was fun. Thank you to the AP students at uh, Harlem. Uh, We obviously have a lot of affection for you and wish you all the best on your upcoming final exams. Um, And when it comes time, actually, you know what a good idea would be if we want to do this again? would be around AP test time. We could probably do this again, help you out with your studying maybe uh, give you an enjoyable way to study or you can study while you're driving or whatever. So anyway, thank you so much. Uh, We'll be back again next week. But until then, keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all, and we'll see you soon.